Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Today we get revenge against a neighbor that was throwing around threats. We'll get to that in a bit, but first, I can't have a doorbell camera? You can't have a computer lab. I live in a cooperative. This means reduced rent payment in exchange for building upkeep and services. Someone cuts the grass, someone shovels the snow, etc. My job is parking enforcement and management of the public computer lab for our residents to use since a good chunk of them are low income and can't even afford internet service. So way back in September, I saw some expose video on doorbell camera footage and the freaky stuff it captures, like the one of the ladies standing there for 15 minutes holding a knife but never knocks on the door or anything. So I bought an expensive doorbell camera for myself, my sister who lives in the same condo building as me, and my parents who are about an hour away. I also bought the service for the person detection and cloud storage, all that premium stuff, total $1200. Please recall that it's September at purchase and these are Christmas presents, so bye bye return window. The company gave me 3 months of premium service free, so there was no real loss of service from September to December while they were sitting in the closet. Fast forward to 3 days ago, I'm installing the doorbell camera on my door. I've already run the wires inside, so the last step is only a 5 minute job. Two screws, one hole, feed the wires through. By sheer coincidence, during this 5 minute window, my neighbor who is unfortunately one of the frequent users of the computer lab is taking their dog out for their duty. We say our pleasantries and that's it. Before they're even inside and before I can even finish setting up the software on my phone, I have an email from the condo board saying public facing cameras are not allowed in the building. Clearly I know who complained. I staunchly defend my purchase, stating I can disable the motion detection and keep it so it's only active when someone physically presses the button, but to no avail they were adamant on not having it and not allowing it even threatening eviction on me over a few texts of me trying to save my purchase. Nothing rude or anything, willing to even post them publicly. I decide to leave it overnight because it's like 9pm at this point and I don't want to rip it all apart. I wake up the next morning and there's a note taped over the camera with a copy of the bylaws that say, electronic devices with cameras facing public spaces are not allowed. So I tear it all off and stew about it for a few days. Until I remember that every laptop in the computer lab has at least one camera on it. It's a public space. I have a remote control over these because I work in IT and know how to set that stuff up. I remotely lock every machine and mosey on downstairs and my neighbor's trying to mash the keyboard trying to figure out why it's not working anymore and suddenly I walk over, unplugged it right away and removed it along with every single laptop out of the lab, and left behind a note saying that, due to condo bylaws, any electronic device with a forward-facing camera is not allowed. I advised them that someone complained about my doorbell camera, 
and as such, I'm just enforcing the bylaws. Let's be real, what kind of policy is this? Do they have their own cameras in this place? Does that not violate whatever rule? Also, hi, I'm Steven, and if you enjoy awesome stories of revenge, why not hit that subscribe button down below? That said, our next story is, I got an enabler to an R-wordist fired. Several months back, I found out that my best friend at the time was slash is a R-wordist. I'm not going to get into the details of what the evidence is against him, but suffice it to say it was overwhelmingly sufficient for me to immediately cut ties. I then went on a campaign to out him publicly, as we shared many friend groups and regular group events, prior to my discovery of his R-wording multiple of our mutual lady friends. For the last 20 years, mind you, I warned a few female acquaintances that were adamant that I and all of his victims were lying. His victims can't speak up, but as I was never a victim, I felt it would be crappy of me to not at least warn other women in his various social spheres. One of these women hates me. As in the last time I was around her, she and her mom, while tripping on acid and E, literally kept screaming about how I was demonic and evil. Hail Satan! After I gave her a very bare-bones breakdown of what the R-wordist had done, she decided to tell everyone that I was crazy and evil. Original, but whatever. She also hid the R-wordist when the police were looking for him to serve him a restraining order. So I did a little digging and figured out that she was working for a pretty large event planning company that rhymes with Skeever. I emailed their customer service and let them know that I was concerned that this woman was in charge of helping plan large events in our area and therefore could be giving access to further victims for the R-wordist. They emailed me back almost immediately and requested information, at which point I directed them to the detective working on the case. She was fired almost immediately and is now an Uber driver. So freaking satisfying. Our next story is avoided being beaten up by bullies by using American Sign Language and accidentally made some older boys protect me and harass the bullies for the rest of the year. This was back when I, 33-year-old female, was in 6th grade, 11 years old. I performed very well in school, which led to me being in higher grade level classes and a few subjects. By 6th grade, I ended up being bused to high school for half of my school day. Due to the weird scheduling, I had to ride a bus full of alternative high school students. These were students who were considered troublemakers and were expelled from or had failed regular school. I was very noticeably an outsider, small, quiet, always reading, and at least five years younger than anyone else. Cue the bully. The worst was this girl who was 17 and looked absolutely colossal to me at the time. I was 4 foot 9, 145 centimeters. She and five other girls would sit around me and relentlessly mock me, yell at me, try to threaten me, and just generally made my time in that bus a very frightening nightmarish experience. I never acknowledged them nor made any eye contact. After about three months of this, the main bully finally snapped. She grabbed me by the shoulders and yanked me out of my seat to the bus aisle. She then screamed, look at me when I freaking talk to you, you stupid runt. I was terrified and just knew she was getting ready to beat the snot out of me. I thought of any way I could de-escalate the situation and played the only card I could. Necessary background info, 
A few years prior to this, my cousin started losing her hearing. She and I learned ASL together and were fluent, aside from some grammar issues, by the time I was 11. So this girl managed to say the best phrase possible. Look at me when I talk to you. My brain somehow went, use sign language. I frantically started signing. She immediately backed up with her hands in the air, and every single person on the bus just stared at her. Then three senior boys came up and told her something like, don't pick on deaf kids, but much more colorfully. The boys kicked all of the other bullies out of the seats around me, and one of them sat down with me and helped me calm down using ASL. I was a crying mess once the confrontation passed. Turns out that he had a little sister who was deaf. I didn't correct his assumption that I was also hard of hearing. For the rest of the school year, those boys would wait outside the bus for me, escort me to my seat, sit with me, and talk to me in ASL. They also made a point to loudly say, and sign along for my benefit, things similar to, only worthless, pathetic nobodies would resort to bullying deaf little girls whenever any of my bullies were present. I never told anyone on that bus that I could hear them, and continue to let my bullies suffer. Well, you know, like they say, You wouldn't hit a person with glasses, would you? Well, you wouldn't hit somebody who was deaf either, right? Our next story is, young firefighter disrespects a lieutenant, so I shame him and get him to quit. I'm not sure if this is pro or not, but I got revenge on a jerk that I used to volunteer firefight with. This was in the early to mid-2000s. I decided going to the local fire department as a volunteer firefighter. I did it for about five years, and it was great. Training consisted of three months of fire training, two nights a week and all day Saturday, and then you would go to EMT training, another three months of training. I was about a year in and I was asked to help train some new recruits. One of the lieutenants, Amy, was a short middle-aged woman who was so full of fire she could make a grown man cry. One of those people who commands both fear and respect wherever she went. Honestly, a great lieutenant and great person. When she wasn't being a drill sergeant, she was extremely kind and generous. She would often bake people cakes and treats and deliver them to the various stations in our department. However, in this new academy class that I was asked to help with, there was a cocky kid that we'll call Aaron. Aaron talked big during the training and acted like he was the all-American hero, like he was going to be the lead bad man in Backdraft 2. He performed moderately well in training, but far from the top of the class. He gets assigned to Amy's station, which is a pretty quiet station in the department. A few months after he starts, Amy swings by my station one night to say hi. She brings us the mother load cake from Claim Jumper, massive six layer cake. She explained that she had treated her crew to a night out at a Claim Jumper, which must have cost a lot of money. I think she took out about 8 people and bought a whole cake to top it all off. They had eaten the first 2 layers, so she gave us the remaining 4. We thanked her profusely, and she left. Back then, the big social media platform was MySpace, and I decided to look up some of the people in the department to make friends. I came across Aaron's page, and I noticed some photos of him and the rest of his crew at Claim Jumper with Amy. However, when I read the comments, he bragged about how he'd purposely ordered the most expensive dinner, appetizers, and drinks since Amy was buying. He bragged about how he was going to take advantage of her stupidity. This alone pissed me off because she was doing this super nice and generous. What an ungrateful, selfish jerk. 
Then I read the rest of his profile. He had videos and memes on his page glorifying himself as a bad-to-the-bone firefighter, bragging about running into burning buildings and how he was such a hero. He was flirting with girls, blatantly trying to impress them with how brave he is. Bear in mind, he just graduated from the academy three months prior and hadn't even gone to EMT school. He had never been to a house fire and all he basically did was carry gear for the other fully qualified firefighters. It was too much for me to tolerate, so here's the revenge. I printed off copies of his MySpace page, including his comments about Amy and toxic bragging. I made multiple copies and took them to every station in the department. We all had pagers, god I'm old, and a small keyboard at each station to send out text messages. I sent out an anonymous all staff page to everyone in the department. I had to keep it brief since I couldn't fit a ton of characters, but I sent out his MySpace info and told everyone about how he treated Amy. Within an hour, Aaron had cleared out his MySpace page of all posts, photos, etc. A couple of days later, he deleted his account. It's a good thing I made so many copies. Immediately after this happened, he stopped coming to volunteer and a few weeks later, I heard that he had quit. I later talked to Amy and admitted that I was the one who sent the page. I told her I hated how he treated her and she thanked me. She seemed really sad and hurt by what he had done, but being the tough, short lady that she was, she quickly got back into being an actual bad-to-the-bone firefighter. She later started dating and married a fire chief that also helped at the academy. I've lost touch with her, but I hope she did well. She seems pretty happy the last time I saw her. This next story is, Total Wine would not sell me the specific wine I drove 60 miles to that location for because they claim I was with someone else who left and they need to see ID for that person. I was alone, so I made a mobile order of 10,000 and never picked it up. I got mad all over again writing this because of the sheer amount of disrespect from Total Wine Management. I have the receipt for this order too. There's a specific wine I used to pair with food. The closest total wine that had it was a 60 mile drive and it was storming out and I wanted it for the holidays because I most likely was going to be cooped up inside. So I drive over, this used to be my typical total wine until I moved two counties away. Anyway I go in and pick up the wine and get some other stuff for holiday parties. I was in there maybe an hour and it comes time to check out and the cashier asks me for my ID. So I give it to her, and then she tells me she needs to see the ID of the other person I was with. So now I'm confused and say, I'm alone. And she says, well, I have to go get my manager. Okay, fine. So he comes out to tell me that she told him I was with someone, and they need to come back and bring their ID, or they won't sell it to me. I told him I wasn't with anyone. He asks to see my ID, looks at it, and says, well, unfortunately, you look young. At this point, I'm like, are you serious? And he's like, you can come back tomorrow alone. I find it extremely disrespectful to tell someone they look young while you're holding their ID in your hand. And not to mention, I've been shopping at that exact location for about four years and have never had a problem. So I told them about how I drove there and I've been shopping there for years and that I even have a second form of ID and he was just kind of giggling and saying no. So I left very angry and it was late around 9pm 
and then I had about the hour and a half drive back home in the rainstorm. So I was home pissed about it all night, and the next day I went into the one close to my house to get the other stuff I was getting. Unfortunately, that one was out of the wine. That's why I didn't originally go there. They were pleasant as usual, actually beyond nice, and didn't even ID me, which just goes to show the other location was on some kind of power trip or something. Then I got an email from them to review my experience, which they send every time I go there, and I never do it, but I decided to select the location I had the bad experience at and give feedback on it. So I wrote exactly what happened, and then the next day, I got a call from the store manager. Turns out the guy that night was an assistant manager or something. However, he was much more pleasant than the woman that called me. She was extremely rude and condescending. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Storytime is sponsored by BetterHelp. Nearly everyone at some point in their life will struggle with their mental health, whether that's something stressful at work, in a personal relationship, or something else. I know that I really struggled with anxiety in my early 20s, and therapy was a massive help for me. That's why I'm a massive fan of therapy, and today's sponsor, BetterHelp. If there is anything in your life, big or small, that is negatively affecting you, get it off your chest with BetterHelp. It's an online therapy service that after finishing a small questionnaire will match you with a licensed therapist where you can book appointments that match up with your schedule at any place or any time. And if you feel like you're not bonding with your therapist, you can switch at any point for free. Also, therapy isn't just if you're struggling with mental health. If you're looking for guidance or ways to improve your social skills, life, or relationships, it's a great judgment-free way of doing that. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com StorytimePod today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, dot com slash StorytimePod. And told me that she reviewed the cameras and that someone walked in with me at the same time and that made us a party. I told her I didn't know them. She said it didn't matter. So apparently people can't walk into Total Wine at the same time as you? Then she said the employees were watching me and that the person left 30 minutes before I went to check out and they saw it. Okay, so... Also, if that's the case and that's your policy, why didn't you say something when you saw the person leave and we could have cleared up the whole situation right then and there? Instead of continuing to allow me to shop for another 30 minutes and waste my time to know that when I came to the checkout, you were going to deny it. So I told her that even if that's the case, someone can't leave a store? And she said no. 
To complete the transaction, they would have to drive back with their ID. This made me extremely angry because even if that is the case and that's your policy, at least you can offer an apology for the inconvenience or something like that. Not just call me to argue and stir the pot. I was already kind of over it because it had been like two days, but just her whole attitude and nastiness about the whole thing was really insult to injury. So I decided to look up their policy. And their policy clearly states that this only applies to parties at checkout. So the rule is who is with you at checkout, which that makes sense or is at least more understandable. Another policy I read which was interesting was that any online order not picked up within a week, they will issue a full refund to your original payment method. So my friends and I were sitting home drinking the stuff I'd gotten at the other location later that day and telling them what happened and they were all shocked. I used to work retail for a long time, specifically during COVID, and I know what an inconvenience it is to set up big curbside pickup orders because they take up a lot of space on the order shelf. So drunk and mad, I decided to enforce their own policy on them and make a $10,000 order for the soonest possible pickup time, which they promise orders ready in 3 hours. So I made sure to order the cheapest, heaviest bottles I could think of so it can take up the most amount of space in their curbside and make sure to only order like one or two of each so they couldn't just give me a case. They had to get individual ones and I ordered their whole supply of Tito's since it's popular and it's the holidays and I know people are going to be looking for it and this total wine has its curbside order section in the front behind a counter where you can see it. And I know when customers saw it, they would ask for it and they would have to explain how someone ordered all 238 bottles and they're back there on reserve. Then, they'd probably get grouchy and ask for a manager. But the manager would be busy because I also made sure to order a lot of bottles behind glass. So they'd have to run around with their keys, scrambling to get this order ready. I worked retail and I know how much stuff like this throws off a schedule and annoys the managers. So I loaded up the card and stopped when I got bored and placed the order. I got the email confirmation, which specified that you have to wait for the pickup confirmation email and that the pickup times aren't guaranteed, so I thought for sure they were either going to cancel the order or call me or something. And something interesting that is sent with the email is a pickup policy that states specifically, the recipient of the order needs to be 21. So you can have other people in your car, not 21? Well, five hours later, I got the pickup email. It took them longer, but I was still surprised. Then later, I got a pickup reminder email. Then three days later, a second reminder. Then seven days, I got my final notice email. And then day 10, I got a phone call. It was the manager acting like a completely different person this time, asking when I was coming in for the order. At this point, I think she knew I was messing with them because it had been 10 days and she knew my name from the previous feedback thing because when she called she asked for me by my name and my name was on the order so i told her yeah i went to pick it up and i was told that i looked too young so i just went to the other total wine and picked out the same stuff there so then she was mad and said are you seriously not coming to pick this up lol restock i just said nah She hung up. When your higher up asks you why your store had to refund someone $10,000, explain to them what you did. 
They were supposed to automatically cancel the order at the 7 day mark, but they didn't. She called me at the 10 day. So I called their customer service line to cancel it and she told me some stores wait to the end of the month to do it. I'm assuming the manager was trying to hold out on refunding to end the year on a better number. Retail does that. I made them cancel it right then. It simply astounds me that they do not have an order limit. The fact that OP was able to do that and that they didn't cancel it immediately? Crazy. Our next story is, my next door neighbor threatened me, so I fooled him and had him kicked out of the building. Santiago, Chile, the night Argentina won the World Cup, I came home around 10pm and a massive party was being held next door. I had to work early on Monday morning, so I rang my neighbor's bell and asked the first person to come out the door to lower the music down. Our balconies kind of connect, so moments later, my neighbor was screaming into my apartment to come out and fight him. We're both adults. I'm almost 40 and he doesn't look any younger than that. For his disgrace, I wrote an entire book, later turned podcast, about being bullied as a kid. And I don't take crap from people anymore. Add to the equation that my girlfriend had an anxiety attack, we had to Zoom call her therapist, and while she was talking to him over the PC, more screaming from the other balcony could be heard, threatening us. I called the police. They stopped the party right away. Next morning, the landlord, who loves me for some reason, told me she left a massive warning on my neighbor's apartment, and this was so big it deserved two strikes. So one more, and he was out and said I should call her if anything out of the ordinary happened. One more event, and he's out for good. That wasn't enough for me. I came up with a plan to get him out of the building ASAP. We can hear each other's conversation from balcony to balcony. I was invited to a New Year's party far from here, an hour drive. He had the nerve to ask the landlord if he could invite some friends over for New Year's Eve, and she called me with this info. I said no problem, but didn't mention why I was cool with it. Every time I knew he was at his balcony, I sat on mine and pretended to call friends to invite them to my own party here. I fake called about a hundred people and this guy was clearly listening. I knew because my landlord asked me if I was holding a massive event on Saturday night. I said I might have some friends over and that was it. At any given chance, he was on the balcony and I fake rented a DJ, a smoke machine, and of course, many, many guests. Why did I do this? Because he was relaxed and did the same. I went to my New Year's party at around 5pm, and people were already getting to his place. At around 11pm, the WhatsApp group All Neighbors Talk About What Happens in the Building blew up. It was freaking Times Square in his apartment, and the cops stopped the party. Third strike. Bye-bye. I think it goes without saying, but this guy deserved the boot. Our next story is my dad's favorite story, petty revenge at a bank. This story set in the Bronx. Back in the 70s, my dad, like most of the workforce, would cash his paycheck at a bank on payday. One day, his coworker Carl gets in the following argument with the teller. You didn't give me the right amount of money. Yes, I did. Next, You gave me the wrong amount of money. My check was for $200 and you gave me... They say, what are you, some sort of scam artist? You touch the money, that's it. I gave you your $200. Now leave, you're holding up the line. Next, Carl says, I need to speak to your manager. The teller says, listen, kid, I don't know who you think you are, 
but I haven't made a mistake in 10 years and I'm not going to be told, your manager please. The teller says, the manager's office is over there, he won't believe you. Next, Carl heads over to the manager's office. He waits about 20 minutes to see the manager. They say, so what's the issue? Carl says, your teller gave me the wrong amount of money. They say, who, Susan? Susan hasn't made a mistake in 10 years, are you sure? Carl says, I'm sure. The manager says, well, okay, but it's a lot of trouble. We'll have to double check our books against what we have in the safe at the end of the day. Carl says, okay. They say, and it's a hassle. We close at 6, the count is finished by 7, sometimes 8. If there's a discrepancy, we'll give you a call, but only if the discrepancy matches the amount that you're missing exactly. And there's a lot of paperwork we need to get in order before issuing a refund, and nobody's going to do that at 8pm on a Friday, so it'll have to wait until Monday, but we're very busy on Mondays, so don't call us, we'll call you. I said, okay. They said, so how much money do you claim you're missing? I said, I'm not missing money. They say, what? I'm not missing any money. They said, then what the heck is this about? You overpaid me, not underpaid me. I've been trying to give you the money back. They say, oh, I'm so sorry. How much did we overpay you? Carl is silent. Son, how much did we overpay you? Carl says, well, the bank closes at six o'clock. You won't have the count done till eight o'clock. And there's a lot of paperwork that can't be done until Monday. And you'll need to tell me the exact amount you overpaid me for me to consider a refund. But I'm very busy on Monday, so don't call me. I'll call you. Epilogue. On Tuesday, Carl called the bank and asked to speak to the manager. This is Carl. Remember me? They said, yes, I remember you very well. We're very sorry about what happened on Friday. Our mistake. You are well within your rights to keep the money. Carl says, how much did you overpay me? They said, $50. All right, have the paperwork ready. I'm returning it on Friday. Carl returned the money and the bank sent them a thank you note signed by every member of the bank. Susan wrote him a personal thank you note and multiple holiday cards. The money would have come out of her paycheck. This next story is, I offered my roommate her own solution. This happened some years ago, but it still fills me with joy whenever I think about it. Background, my college roommate started hanging out with a drug dealer after she went through a breakup that she initiated. Unsurprising, she started using and became addicted, but she reassured me that she had everything under control. One afternoon, I came back from class and I found this guy, the dealer, in our apartment. I initially thought nothing of it until he never left. Suddenly, this drug dealer was living in our apartment and there were zero conversations had between me and my roommate regarding this guy moving in. This guy lived rent-free in my apartment, didn't contribute any money towards internet or utilities, and he started selling out of my home. With strangers coming in and out of the apartment at odd hours, I felt very unsafe in my own home because the people who were entering were also addicts. Eventually, my roommate dropped out of school because she slept all day and used all night. Then she and the dealer started making plans to move to California, basically leaving me to find a roommate to fill her spot on the lease. She had suggested that one of the dealer's customers take her spot, and in the same breath, reassured me that he was cool and that I'd like living with him. At this point, I was so done with her crap and finally came to terms that I'd lost my friend. 
and she did not give a single care about me. Revenge, I immediately looked for roommate ads on Craigslist because I figured that nothing could be worse than my current situation and I didn't tell my roommate that I was looking for other places to live. Eventually, I found two other girls who needed a roommate due to them going through a crappy roommate situation and they offered me the room the same day with move-in being less than two weeks from then. Once I got all my ducks in a row, I informed my roommate that I'd be moving out in less than two weeks. The look on her face was priceless and after a few moments of standalone wows, she asked, who's going to take your spot? My response, you can ask the guy who you were telling me was going to take your spot. I heard he's cool. Immediately, her face turned bright red and she gave me all the reasons why she didn't want to live with him. After I moved out, she made attempts to rekindle the friendship and went on about how much she missed me. I went no contact with her after that, after telling her what a crab friend she had been and that I had no interest in having her in my life. Anytime I'd heard from mutual friends that she'd been bad-mouthing me and saying that I was a witch to her for no reason, I happily shared the details of what led up to me moving out and sending her that text. Last I heard, she and the guy moved an hour away from the college town, not to California. Friend or not, they put on some pretty bad behavior, and I don't blame OP for not wanting to be around while they spiral into that awful relationship. But with that being said, that's all the time we have for today. Now if you want to hear another awesome revenge story, check out that video on the left. Or if you missed my latest video, check out that video on the right. That said, I'll see you all next time with some more stories. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns.